welcome to The Catholic Perspective, a podcast brought to you by rcspirituality.org. Enjoy the episode. In the meditations of this retreat guide, we glimpsed both the purpose of the Feast of Christ the King through our reflection on the origin of the feast and how Christ himself sees his kingship and his kingdom through our reflection on some of the symbolism contained in the throne that Jesus chose for himself. But what does the kingdom of Christ look like in our lives? As followers of Christ, we are citizens of his kingdom. He is our king, and so our lives are lived under his rule. But what does that look like? Jesus gave us a portrait of life in his kingdom, not only by his own example of life, but also in the very first words of his Sermon on the Mount, where he taught us the Beatitudes. As Pope Benedict XVI put it, the Beatitudes express the meaning of discipleship. What the Beatitudes mean cannot be expressed in purely theoretical terms. It is proclaimed in the life and suffering and in the mysterious joy of the disciple who gives himself over completely to following the Lord. The Beatitudes display the mystery of Christ himself, and they call us to communion with him. The Beatitudes are also a roadmap for the church, which recognizes in them the model of what she herself should be. They are directions for discipleship, directions that concern every individual. The eight Beatitudes, in other words, are criteria for daily actions in harmony with the wisdom and grace of Christ the King. When we make choices according to the law of Christ's kingdom, our lives resemble Christ's own life more and more closely, and that looks like what the Beatitudes describe. The Beatitudes are Christ's own marching orders for all the soldiers of his everlasting kingdom. In living them, we make that kingdom more fully present in our own hearts and in the world around us. So let's go through this portrait of a Christian disciple, point by point. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, Jesus gives us the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The word blessed refers to the fullness of life and meaning that comes from living in deep communion with God. The word has a long heritage throughout the Old Testament, and Jesus repeats it eight times here at the beginning of his Sermon on the Mount. Although we can't experience the complete fulfillment of all desire until we reach heaven, here on earth the growing sense of spiritual happiness that comes from a growing friendship with Christ is what is meant by blessed, a word which in Latin has the same root as our English word beatitude. Every beatitude has a characteristic and a result. In this first one, the characteristic is being poor in spirit, and the result is entering the kingdom of heaven. Being poor in spirit means seeking fulfillment in our relationship with God, not in the accumulation of earthly wealth or honors. Riches and honors are not evil in themselves. In fact, they can be a source of joy and an avenue for generosity, but they cannot fill our hearts. When we act as if they can, we end up making imprudent or even immoral decisions in order to acquire them. Greed and arrogance are contrary to poverty of spirit. The poor in spirit will prefer material hardship and social rejection, if necessary, before doing anything that would damage their friendship with Christ. 
Every time we put God before money and success, we step forward on the path to blessedness. The result of being poor in spirit is inheriting the kingdom of heaven. This reminds us of what Jesus says later in the Sermon on the Mount, Seek, and you shall find. If we seek God above all things and make our daily decisions so as to build up our friendship with Christ, that friendship will grow and His kingdom will spread in our hearts even here on earth until it reaches its fulfillment in heaven. In the second beatitude, Jesus tells us, Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Mourning is the experience of sorrow. By this beatitude, we learn to moderate our pursuit of the pleasures of this world and, if necessary, to forego them altogether in order to be faithful to Christ our King. Like money and success, pleasure can easily become an idol, something we lust after, something with which we try to fill the yearnings of our hearts. But worldly pleasures are all finite, while our hearts yearn for the infinite, for God Himself. Blessed are they who mourn, because by moderating their thirst for passing worldly pleasures, they teach their hearts to delight in the kingdom that will last forever. That is their comfort, now and in eternity. The third beatitude, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land, teaches us to moderate what philosophers call our irascible passions, and especially the passion of anger. Unchecked anger wreaks so much destruction, physical, social, and familial. But Jesus taught us that his kingdom is not of this world, and so he never forces his way on people. When he entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, instead of riding on a mighty stallion like a typical warrior king of ancient times, he rode a donkey colt. Meekness is the strength that comes with acts of patience and self-control. In the end, those who are patient and constant outlast those who are violent and forceful. And so, they will inherit the land. They will enjoy the healthy fruits of prosperity and peace. Those first three Beatitudes focus on spreading Christ's kingdom in our own souls, so that our desires and our inclinations are all harmoniously directed towards our true good. They put order within us. The fourth and fifth Beatitudes, on the other hand, put order in our relationships with other people. Jesus tells us, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. The righteous person is the one you can count on to faithfully fulfill his duty. In biblical terms, the righteous are those who are just, those who act justly and pursue justice in all their dealings and interactions with others. When we hunger and thirst for this righteousness, we fulfill the duties of justice not reluctantly, but with a deep, ardent desire for the good that righteousness brings about. When we consistently choose to act in this way, we experience the sense of fulfillment that comes from being a person of integrity and authenticity. That gives us a spiritual satisfaction that no other kind of achievement can supply. In the fifth beatitude, Jesus teaches us to go beyond the demands of duty and justice when he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Mercy goes the extra mile, to use a phrase Jesus employs later in the Sermon on the Mount. 
Mercy does favors for our neighbors, not because they deserve it, but simply because it's good to do so. Mercy forgives those who offend us, not because they deserve to be forgiven, but because God has shown us that His love is a merciful love. And without the fresh start that mercy gives, there is no hope for anyone who lives in a fallen world. When we are attentive to the needs of others in this way, we open our hearts to receive God's grace in relation to our own needs. The sixth and seventh Beatitudes express the effects of living the first five. Jesus tells us that those who are pure of heart are blessed, for they will see God. Who are the pure of heart but those who, through God's grace, have cleansed from their hearts the idols of inordinate desire for money, pleasure, power, and worldly success, as shown in the first three Beatitudes? Seeking God before all these things, they shall be rewarded with a growing knowledge of Him until they come to see Him face to face in heaven. Then Jesus teaches that the peacemakers are blessed, that they will be called the children of God. In biblical language, to be a child of God is to be like God. And when we relate to others with righteousness and mercy, we order our relationships according to the same self-giving love orders the relationships within the Blessed Trinity. And we experience the ever more abundant peace of soul that comes from living in the security of Christ's love. As St. Paul put it, Then the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The final beatitude brings the portrait of a Christian disciple full circle, declaring that the kingdom of heaven, the reward of the first beatitude, also belongs to those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. To hold fast to poverty of spirit, meekness, righteousness, mercy, and all the other characteristics of a citizen of Christ's kingdom, even in the face of violent opposition, social estrangement, or any other added difficulty. This is the confirmation of God's grace in our souls and our unmistakable declaration of loyalty to Christ's truth. Poor in spirit, patient, self-controlled, just, merciful, constant amid suffering. Acting in this way is how our King established His everlasting kingdom, and it is how we who are citizens of that kingdom continue to expand its borders and come to enjoy the purity of heart and the spiritual peace that reign there. Much more could be said about the portrait of Christ and of every Christian that Jesus gives us in the Beatitudes. You have been listening to The Catholic Perspective, a resource from rcspirituality.org. Please visit our website and check out more great resources to help you pray, learn, grow, and go. Please join our team of digital missionaries by subscribing at rcspirituality.org.